Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. Well, we are on our series called The Comeback, uh, where we've been featuring stories within our church. I'm excited about the story we have today. Josh Gromer, enjoy the service. I'll see you in just a moment. It was March of 2008 when my life took a drastic turn. I was a college freshman, uh, working full-time, going to school full-time, feeling a little run down, but I thought that was kind of normal for the season of life that I was in. I ended up going and seeing a doctor for what I thought was just a routine wellness exam. They ran some blood work, and uh, it turned out that there were some abnormalities. So they ran some more tests, spent some more time with the doctor, and ended up getting a diagnosis of lupus, SLE. Lupus is an autoimmune disease. Um, my immune system mistakes organs um, as uh, something that's bad and fights them off. During uh, the time when I was initially diagnosed, my immune system was destroying my blood cells. And they would kind of get that under control and then it would shift. Um, my immune systems put a fight on my kidneys, some kidney damage. And then it kind of get that under control and Uh, In 2015, I had three strokes because of the lupus in like a week time span. I have a deficit on my left side from the strokes. And I use assistive devices to walk because of that. Uh, I kind of got things managed in that way and I started having seizures. And I get that under control and it it just kind of seemed like it was, they would get something under control and then it would shift to something else. So there I was at 25 years old, spending more time at doctor's appointments than uh, doing anything else. I was watching my friends go out and accomplish their goals. I I had gone to school to be a firefighter and that wasn't happening. Um, I was too sick to leave the house, just in too much pain. Um, Things had become, your day-to-day things had become too challenging for me to do. They had pulled my driver's license when I started having seizures, so I was dependent on someone to get me anywhere I needed to go. Um, I didn't have much of a a social life. I kind of just stayed at the house. Uh, My wife was extremely worried because she was afraid that she was going to be a widow in her 20s. Um, Things were just really, really tough. Our whole world revolved around... Uh, my illness and the things that I wasn't able to do and things were things were dark and along with the physical struggles I also had a faith struggle because I knew that God could heal me but figuring out why he wasn't healing me uh, was a tough thing that I was wrestling with and in fact I'd lay in bed at night after the day and just be so tired from fighting my own body that You know, my prayer became, if you're not going to heal me, Lord, then just take me. Mm -hmm. 
it would be harder towards the end of the day my crying out to god where are you at when i'm tired and in so much pain and i've had such a rough day and then it was when god would show up and give me these slivers of hope and a lot of times that was just like an okay night's sleep and so i'd wake up the next morning saying okay we we made it through last night now we just have to do it one more time and then god would show up and he'd give me a little sliver of hope and, and say okay we we can just do it one more time. We did it yesterday. We can do it again today. It's just kind of one day at a time, uh, taking one appointment at a time, taking one new challenge at a time. And God was always faithful in the small victories. I never had it where it's been this huge miraculous thing, but it was all these little small things that just got me to the next point where I needed to be. So in 2016, um, I had consulted with, I went to Rochester, uh, Minnesota to meet with a team of doctors at the Mayo Clinic and they put together kind of a new plan for me. So I came home and uh, ended up with a team of doctors here that changed my medicine routine. Um, they put me in physical therapy. I was in neuro PT as well. And um, I got a computer that helps me walk. It senses when my foot leaves the ground and it sends a shock to the nerve um, because the strokes left me with uh, very little control of my foot. So the, the computer can tell my foot when to lift and it does that for me. So now I'm able to get around much better. I started seeing hope as over time the medication was uh, showing to be effective in my lab work. Um, the pain has decreased through these different things that the, the doctors have done for me. Um, I started to get my life back in the sense that I, I had my driver's license pulled after having seizures and I, they were able to control that so I had my driver's license back. Uh, the downtime that I had to rest and to heal, I was able to put that into going to a real estate school and have a real estate license now. I think that God shifted my mindset from take this from me to um, a mindset of use me in this and show me how I can adapt to these situations because um, I'm still dealing with a lot of the same things, but God has changed my heart to where now it's just, uh, okay, how do we get around this instead of getting into a dark place because... I, this is what I'm facing. I am now 29 years old, coming out of the darkest, toughest, most challenging time of my life. Um, but I'm looking forward to what the future holds. God is good, and I know that going forward, things are only going to continue to get better. My name is Josh Gromer, and this is my comeback story. it's good is because everyone needs a comeback story right all of us have had setbacks in life setbacks will always be part of life that's why we that's why comeback stories resonate with us because we've all had setbacks and so welcome to the comeback it is a celebration of new beginnings of inspired faith 
of rekindled hope and fresh starts where we're really putting the spotlight on Jesus, the author of the comeback. Amen? I don't need to remind you as we approach Easter that the tomb is empty. Amen? Right? It is the greatest comeback story ever told. And let our series remind us that none of us are too far gone and that we serve the God of anything's possible. Hey, the tomb is empty. The devil should have known something was up when they put the body in a borrowed tomb, right? I mean, why buy it when I only need to rent it for three days? So, so as we approach Easter, my prayer through this series is that the resurrection of Christ would become our resurrection and that his comeback becomes your, res- your comeback and his victory becomes our victory. So we're going to continue down the comeback road. And I know it's not Easter yet, but uh, we're going to jump ahead in the calendar and we're going to talk about the resurrection. Is that okay with you? Uh, because the resurrection can be celebrated more than just on Easter. Is that all right? Right? Uh, get ready for your response. He is risen. All right, so I, yeah, see, so even before Easter, he's still risen. So we could celebrate the resurrection every day, every Sunday when we gather. So we're going we're gonna to touch on the, the, the resurrection today. But before uh, we continue, I'm going to pray. Let me just say uh, that I enjoyed being with you last week because you were alert and you were alive and you were responsive and you were engaged. And can you do it again? Uh, no, I'm <laughs> serious because... It, it, was, it, was just, it was good last week, so, so loosen up, have a good time today. I hope, I hope you're here to meet with God because he's going to meet with us. Let's pray. Lord, um, love the topic, the comeback, because I love the story of the cross. I love the story of the resurrection. I love the story that your resurrection becomes our resurrection, that you enter into our space and you resurrect what is dead and dying, full of the stench of death. And you breathe life into it. And so today, regardless of where we are, all of our stories are different. One thing that we have in common, we all need a resurrection somewhere in life. And so I'm asking you would step in, Holy Spirit of God, and that you would set us up for that comeback. And we invite you, have your way. Speak the hard word to us if it needs to be spoken. Also speak the word of encouragement, the word of life, the word of of freedom over us, and we receive all that you have to say. We place you first, even even in our giving as we continue to worship you through our offering, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at the Gospel of Luke where it says this, it is now, waiting on you guys, I'm reading off the screen, so whenever you're ready. Hey, there it is. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Here's what I want you to understand. On the day of Jesus' death, there were no Christians at the cross. On the day that Jesus died, Faith died with it. See, the cross not only represented the death of Jesus for his disciples, it represented the death of faith, it represented the death of a dream, it represented the death of a future, and so they thought he was the long-awaited Messiah, they thought he was the anointed one, they thought he was God, but gods don't die. And they watched him die, watched his body off the cross into the tomb, and so now faith was dead. There were no Christians at the cross. There was no one waiting at the tomb with a welcome back from the grave banner. There were no countdown clocks at the the tomb. Everyone thought Jesus would do what all dead people do, stay dead. And so hope 
dreams, faith died. The movement was dead. And so we're going to journey back to the first Easter morning. The turmoil of the crucifixion had settled down. The Pharisees and the religious leaders settle into a normal routine. They take their breath. Jerusalem settles down. The disciples are scattered. And the handful of women go to the tomb to finish preparing the body for burial. And when they get to the tomb, the stone is rolled away and his body is missing. Now, they're not thinking resurrection. They're thinking someone took the body. Scripture tells us that there's a couple angels just kind of hanging out at the tomb. And uh, they're, they're waiting for their big moment. You know, angelic beings, they, they've practiced their catchphrase probably since the beginning of beginnings. And they're ready for this because what you say after a resurrection carries a lot of weight. And so there's two angelic beings kind of hanging out at the tomb and they're, they're waiting for their big moment. And Luke tells us what happens. It says, in their fright, the women bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And you know they looked at each other like, nailed it. (laughs) Mic drop, right? Been working on that one for a couple thousand years. Why are you looking for the living? Now let the Holy Spirit of God speak this over you. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? That's strong. Why are you looking for life among things that are dead? Why are you looking for your next season in your old season? Why are you looking for life in dead relationships? Why are you looking for life in a dead scene? Why are you looking for your comeback in your setback? Some of us, that, that's, that's a word of God for you right now. Why, why are you looking for life among things that are dead? Do you ever find yourself revisiting the same tomb, thinking you're going to find something different, but every time you get there, it's only the smell and the stench of death? But for whatever reason, we think it's going to be something different. Every time I go to that tomb, I leave frustrated and weak and down and depressed and broke or whatever else it may look like, and yet we keep going back to the same tomb thinking we're going to find something living And it's always the same thing, the stench of death. And so these two angelic beings ask a question that really should be asked of all of us. Why are you looking for life among things that are dead? And so there's two storylines taking place. There's women at the tomb thinking the body had been stolen. And then there's two other disciples who are dealing with their frustration in a totally different way. And they've packed up and they hit the road and they're leaving town. And so now Luke introduces us to two disillusioned travelers who are leaving Jerusalem because the one they thought was God is now dead. Look at Luke 24, 13. Now that same day, the same day that the women are at the tomb, that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Understand that it's day three. It's the day of the resurrection, right? It's the day of the resurrection. And although although it was the day of Jesus' comeback, it was the day of two travelers' setback. Because they'd given up hope. Hope was lost. And so they're leaving Jerusalem. If they would have endured just a little bit longer, they would have been in Jerusalem when the rumors of a resurrection began to spread. But listen, listen, listen. Setbacks have a way of causing us to drift. Setbacks have a way of causing us to wander. And I wonder how many times our comeback has been delayed because our setbacks leave us hopeless and hopelessness causes us to drift. 
And so here's two travelers we've never heard of, hopeless, and they begin to drift, and they leave Jerusalem, the place of the crucifixion, the place of the resurrection, and they begin to head back to a town called Emmaus. Maybe the challenge of a Christian faith is to remain rooted when hopelessness pushes us to wander. Now, I want to just unpack some things as we're reading through this scripture, some things that might be useful to us. Uh, I've titled it Preparing for a Comeback. Here's my first thought if you're preparing for a comeback, you need to give it time, right? It's day three. If they waited just a little bit longer, they would have been in the city. They would have seen the empty tomb. The day wasn't even over. If you're preparing for a comeback, you have to give it time. Something's brewing. Just because God is not speaking to you about your problem does not mean that God is not working on your answer. Give it time. Be patient. Faith is not just how big you can believe. Faith is how long you can believe what you believe, right? How long you can believe what it is that you believe. Look at Hebrews 11.1. It says that faith is our confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. How long do you have to believe to see it? Well, that's what faith is. It's not just how big, it's how long you can believe. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. If you're preparing for your comeback, give it time. Go back to our passage, Luke 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Two travelers on their way to Emmaus, desperate, depressed, dejected, downcast, dismal, disappointed, any other D word you can throw in there, that's what these guys are experiencing. We think, guys, we only know one name, the other one could be his wife, could be a traveling partner, we don't know. And they're talking about the good old days. Right? They're talking about the way that things used to be when hope was alive and hope was real and hope was vibrant and, 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 and now all that's left is for us to kind of kick the dirt as we walk back to Emmaus, hanging our heads in shame and disappointment. You know that today we don't even know where Emmaus is. I mean, we think we have an idea. There's two or three locations that, that we think may be Emmaus, but, but, but we know it was located outside Jerusalem. But over time, it just kind of drifted into obscurity. It didn't have staying power. And so it, it, it kind of is lost into, uh, in, our, in our modern world. Uh, maybe it was a place that you would pass through and stop for food, but it was a place you never wanted to live. Tucson, right? That's all Tucson is, right? I'll stop there for gas, but I'm, I'm going to keep moving, right? I'll stop moaning. Go to Tucson. You won't moan anymore. So, so put those two stories together. On the one setback scene, there's the women at the tomb, and the stone is rolled away. They think the body has been stolen, and so there's disappointment and, and frustration, and they're confused. In the other setback scene, there's two strangers we've never heard of who are disappointed, and their back is to the resurrection. They're walking away from Jerusalem. Their faith is dead, and they're headed to the dead town of Emmaus. But meanwhile, and this is key, meanwhile, meanwhile alludes to the idea that there's more to the story than meets the eye. Meanwhile means that there's a divine story being written whose author is God. Meanwhile means that your story and God's story is about to cross paths. Meanwhile means that although you may have not read the chapter, it doesn't mean that God's not working on the chapter for your solution. And so meanwhile... God is up to something. The women are confused. These two travelers are disillusioned. But meanwhile, unbeknownst to them, Jesus is back among the living and he's planning his next move. Hey, if you just rose from the dead, what would your first move be? 
If I came back from the dead, I'd be throwing the biggest I told you so resurrection party you have ever seen. I'd be posting before and after pictures all over Instagram, right? What would you do on the day of your resurrection? Hey, what does Jesus do? Maybe he goes and celebrates with his disciples. Or maybe, uh, maybe he makes an appearance to the Pharisees, like, remember me? Maybe he strolls by Pilate's place. He's like, how you doing, right? I, what, what, what does he do on the day of his resurrection? Listen, listen, this is so odd. He goes on a road trip to catch up to two people we've never heard of who've turned their back on the resurrection and are heading to a dead place. That's what Jesus does on the day of his resurrection. Look at verse 15, 16. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them. Here's sneaky Jesus, right? Sneaking up on people with supernatural ninja skills. They don't even know he's behind him, and he just kind of shows up because he's always looking for an opportunity to work his way into a conversation, work his way into life. But if I'm honest, it's a little counterintuitive here because it doesn't make sense to me. You're fresh out of the grave. Why leave the prominence of Jerusalem behind? Why leave the place of the empty tomb behind? Why leave the place of your disciples behind? Why leave the place where the Holy Spirit is soon to fall? See, if I was Jesus' press agent, I would say, Jesus, you need to maximize exposure right now. You need to amplify your visibility, so we need to remain where the masses are because we need to, we need to create a stir. That's what press agents do, right? We need to create a stir, so you need to be, remain in Jerusalem, maximize your visibility. See, I struggle with the idea. I struggle with the idea, why would Jesus leave Jerusalem to go after two insignificant travelers whose faith is dead, who are headed in the wrong direction and going to a dead town, and the only reason I can come up with is that's what God does. That's what God did for me, that's what God did for you. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one, amen? That's what he does. Because no one is too far gone, and he wants all to come to repentance, and he wants everyone to have a comeback story. And so Jesus goes after two insignificant people who are dead in their faith. Some of you don't know it, but Jesus is sneaking up on you right now. Someone tap someone on the shoulder in front of you. Just freak him out just a little bit. That's Jesus tapping you on the shoulder right now. Jesus had slimy hands. I can't help that part. All right, preparing for your comeback. Number one. Give it time. Number two, if you're preparing for your comeback, leave space on the journey. Leave some space for Jesus to sneak up on you. Leave some space, right? You're not being asked to walk through your setback alone. The the creator of all things is asking to walk with you, to bring you through it, if you choose to invite him in to your journey. See, Jesus will go on a road trip with you even when you're headed in the wrong direction. Even when you're dead in your faith and you're dead in your hope and your back is to the resurrection, he's willing to step into that journey with you. And if you, if you are willing, he is willing to lead you out. So maybe we need to be honest and quit pretending and invite Jesus into the journey, all of its ugliness, all of its dysfunction, and invite him to walk with us, two travelers, dead in faith, dead in hope, moving in a dead direction, and Jesus tracks them down because that's what he does. Look at verse 15, 16. 
As they talked, they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked among them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, we don't know fully why they didn't recognize him. We're told that many of the disciples did not recognize Jesus uh, when they first saw him. Uh, Matter of fact, John 20, this is kind of comical. John 20 says that when Mary first saw Jesus, true, Bible says this, she thought he was the gardener. I'm not making that up. Read it for yourself in John 20. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. I hold the keys to life and death. And you think I'm the gardener, right? And so they don't, they, they don't recognize him. We're not sure why, but let's not be too hard on him because how many times have I been in the presence of Jesus and not recognized I was in the presence of Jesus? Yeah, all the time, right? Wasn't that Jacob's story in, in Genesis 28 where he says, surely God is in this place and I didn't even know it? How many times have we been in the presence? Some of us... That is our story every Sunday when we gather for worship. You're in the presence of God and you don't know you're in the presence of God because you haven't invited him into your journey. So if you're preparing for your comeback, give it time. Leave space on your journey. And here's one for you. Keep watch. Jesus is closer than you think, right? They're standing next to the source and while they're low on resources, they didn't even know it. Don't miss the presence of God walking up on you. Keep watch. I think he's closer than you think Luke 24 17 and so Jesus asked them what are you guys discussing as you walk along and they stood still their faces downcast now this is funny Jesus in his glorified state he's the word made flesh he's the author of life he's a champion over life and the grave Jesus who knows all things the beginning from the end walks up on two people and say what are y'all talking about it's like can I walk with you and so they they begin to 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 talk to him and and listen listen what happened if uh, catch that little phrase, I think we highlight it. Yeah, their faces downcast. If you're preparing for your comeback, you need to give it time. Leave space on your journey. Keep watch. And here's here's this one: actively set your vision in a heavenly direction. If you're preparing for a comeback, actively set your vision in a heavenly direction. What I mean by, by, by that is that we cannot allow ourselves to go into default mode. My default mode is ugly. Because I am a pessimist about everything. And so I cannot allow myself to go into default mode. You cannot allow yourself because you know where your default mode is going to take you. If we just go with the flow, the flow is going to dump us in a pit because the flow don't know. And so we cannot just allow ourselves to go into default mode. Hey, here's a thought. Your heart cannot lead you. You say, well, 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 why is that? Well, look at what Scripture says about the heart in Jeremiah We'll put it on the screens. It says this, that the heart is more deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Whoever told you to follow your heart lied to you and gave you bad advice. You need to follow your spirit, which is being led by the spirit of Jesus. There's good advice for you. But your heart is going to lead you to a place that you don't want to be because our heart, our emotions lie to us. And so if you're preparing for a comeback, you're going to need to actively set your vision heavenly towards something other than someone other than yourself. Look at verse 18. One of them named Cleopas, we get the name of one of them, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? And listen to Jesus. He's like, what things? What are you talking about? This is like scandalous. I can picture Jesus kind of going like this. What things? <laughs> right? Like, so, here it goes. And so then they say this. They say, 
about Jesus of Nazareth. Go to that next slide. About Jesus of Nazareth, they said. And so Jesus is like, tell me more about this guy. What did you say his name was? Jesse? What, what's his name? Tell me more about this Jesse guy. And, and so they begin to tell Jesus about Jesus. Have you ever tried to tell God what God should be like? Have you ever been in a setback and tell God exactly how he should handle your setback? Am I the only one who's ever told God what God is supposed to be like? And so they begin to tell Jesus about Jesus. And look at uh, the next verse. It says, he was a prophet, powerful in word, was powerful in word indeed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Hey, preparing for your comeback. Uh, give it time, leave space on your journey, you need, to, you need to keep watch, and you need to actively set your vision in a heavenly direction, and don't miss what is because you're stuck in what was. Now catch this. They're standing before the great I am, and they're stuck in the great he was, right? They're completely missing the today, and they're missing the now. Don't miss what God has for you today because you're stuck in what was yesterday, Don't allow your future to be robbed because you're stuck living in your past. Stop looking for the living among the dead. We have to move past our past to step into our future. And then they say four little words that summarizes the whole problem. Luke 24, 21. It says, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. And here's the source of their trouble. We had hoped, and there's so much packed into this phrase. This was Josh's story, where he said, life was not giving me what I had hoped, what I expected. And we all have expectations, we all have desires, we all have dreams. And when those things don't happen, we all have the, but I had hoped. I had hoped that this would be over by now. I hoped I'd been further along in my career by now. I had hoped that I'd be married by 25 by now. Listen, we can't pass love notes in, in, in class. I love you too, but I'm married. So is he. Thank you, Mike. I'll get to it later. Zipper check. That's not what it was about. All right. I'd hoped that the situation would change. I hoped my marriage would make it. I hoped my children would make better choices. I had hoped, but it's already the third day, or it's already the third week, it's already the third month, it's already the third decade, and nothing changed. And hope is now lost. Listen, if you're going to prepare for your comeback, give it time. Leave space on your journey for Jesus. Keep watch. Jesus is closer than you think. Actively set your vision in a heavenly direction. And don't miss what is because you're stuck in what was. And here's one. Boy, we got to work to keep hope alive. Because there's no telling what we'll do when hope is lost, right? You've had seasons of life when you've been hopeless and there's no telling what you would have done. I love Hebrews 6, 19 that says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, meaning that hope is like a leash that only allows us to drift so far before it snaps us back. An anchor for the soul. Let's continue. As they approach the village, so they're still walking with Jesus. 
which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So, they went and, so he went inside with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. It's not even his house, but Jesus has taken over, because if you invite him in, that's what Jesus is going to do. And so he takes the bread, he breaks it, and, and he gives it to them, and then suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up scriptures to us? And listen, and they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Listen, it's dark. You don't travel at night on a lonely road, but it doesn't matter because when your comeback comes knocking, you get up and you answer it. And so this is what happens. Their faith is dead. Their hope is dead. They're, they're, they're heading uh, in a dead direction to a dead village. They meet up with the resurrected Jesus who resurrects their faith. And immediately their setback is turned into a setup, is turned into their comeback. And they pack their stuff up again. And they head back into Jerusalem to experience what God has for them. Because that's what God does. He resurrects things which are broken and things which are dying and things which have the stench of death. And so hope was resurrected. Faith is ignited. Doesn't matter the time of day or the time of night. When your comeback comes knocking, my suggestion is, is you answer the door. Look at our last bit. So they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found 11 Uh, So 11 didn't work quite as well for that Judas guy. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. So there's kind of like they're all hanging out saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them and they broke bread. Here, here, here is their comeback story, right? A massive comeback party and because faith and hope is restored. Listen, listen, this is what Easter is about. That his comeback is your comeback, is my comeback. His resurrection is my resurrection because the one that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. This is why we have hope in the midst of our struggles. This is why we have hope in the midst of the, temp- in the, midst of the tension because we serve a comeback-giving God. We celebrate his resurrection because it is our resurrection. Because he, resurre- he resurrects us from dead faith and dead dreams and from a dead future. And he resurrects dead relationships. And a couple weeks ago, we celebrated 36 people who were baptized, celebrating coming from the dead into newness of life because that's what he does. And so today, I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know what comeback you need. But this thing I am sure, because this is the story of Scripture, all of Scripture, God is sneaking up on you because he does not want your setback to lead you into your final pit. And he's willing to walk with you on your journey if you are willing to invite him into that space. It's good news, amen? Amen. All right, listen, we're going to transition a little bit. Where is uh, Daniel and Jeanette and the band? If you guys can all come up. Uh, We're going to close with some worship and just have... uh, some time celebrating the God of uh, the comeback, and so I hope you're ready for that. But I want to introduce you to uh, our new uh, worship pastor. Come on, let's go. Let's move it. Let's just bless uh, them, and then we're going to worship together. Is that all right with you? Let's do it.
Lord, we want to thank you for your plan and your sovereignty and uh, how you bring things together uh, and you knit things together and you knit lives together and you knit families together. And I thank you how you've already uh, been knitting uh, our hearts together and um, the uh, respect that I already have for these two and uh, the talent and the ability and the heart of worship that you've placed in them. And uh, Lord, I, I, I want to uh, bless the two of them. I pray for Daniel right now that you would bless him as he steps into this role as worship pastor and that you would anoint him beyond his ability, anoint him in ways that he has never experienced, he's never seen, he's never known. I pray you would give him eyes to see what the Father is doing, give him ears to hear how the Spirit is moving, and then give him the faith to step out and lead us in that, that he would lead us before the throne room of God. I pray that there would be something stirring in our church body, something significant that is happening here uh, as we follow him in worship. And so I pray that anointing upon you to step into that pastoral role uh, and that uh, you would be blessed with favor uh, among your band, among your team, and among your church. Jeanette, I pray for you uh, as, as you worship uh, with Daniel and you bring your own giftings and your own abilities and your own talent that you would lead us as well. And that everything that God has placed in you uh, as a woman of God, as a, a strong woman of faith, that you would share that with the people in this church as well. That we would be inspired by your faith also. And so I bless the two of you in this season of life that all that God has for you would be fulfilled. And that all that God has for our church family would be fulfilled. I pray a special blessing over your babies as they start a new school um, and go through some new challenges, and I pray that the Spirit of God would be upon you and would make a way, would open the doors, would uh, have a special anointing over your household where it would just be a place of peace and a place of rest and a place of laughter for your family. And so we say that we're excited that you're here and we're excited for what God has for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's worship, church. You ready? Mike, go ahead and bring those lights down. Lord, be with us today. I pray everything that we just talked about, everything that we just studied, everything that we just heard, that you would stir it in us. Uh, for some of us, Lord, uh, release us if we need to come, find space at the altar. Uh, this idea of the comeback for some of us that are struggling, set us up for our comeback now. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, release our lips, release our expression of worship, and come and inhabit the praises of your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give a hand to the Lord because he's good. Amen. 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 That you move mountains. We still believe, and we believe that you will do it again. And so today, all of us, I pray it is all of our prayer that we invite you into this space, into our journey with us. Wherever we are, whatever direction we're walking, whatever might be dead inside of us, whatever may need to be resurrected, wherever there needs to be a comeback, we invite you in for you to do what only you can do because we expect that you will do it again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you, church. We will continue this series next week, the comeback. We'll have another story featured. 
Grab some cake on your way out. Let's thank Daniel and Jeanette for being here as our new worship leaders. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Hey, um, one thing that I forgot, speaking of comebacks, uh, our softball team made a little comeback of their own and took home first place championship in the city. So there you go. Big bonus for our softball team. God bless you guys. I'll see you later.